We are so excited you've decided to listen to this week's sermon podcast. Hey, we release sermon podcasts weekly, so be sure to follow us and hit that notification bell so you can be notified when episodes are released. God bless and enjoy. Stole thee, or I will lift thee up, I will praise thee, I will not withhold anything from you, I'll build on you. I will extol thee, O Lord, for thou hast lifted me up and hast not made my foes to rejoice over me. O Lord my God, I cried unto thee, and thou hast healed me. Oh, what a song. O Lord, thou hast brought up my soul from the grave. Thou hast kept me alive that I should not go down to the pit. Sing unto the Lord, O ye saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. For his anger endureth but a moment. In his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Boy, that excites me already. His anger endureth but a moment. But a moment. In his favor, that's a, that's a lifetime. That's forever. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. And I want to preach and teach for the next 30, 35 minutes this thought, and we'll continue to preach back to this kind of as a theme. When does your morning start? That's a good question, isn't it? I, I just looked around from, from here. I wish y'all could see a lot of times. I just looked, and there was a lot of faces just, just in that fraction of a second that were asking that question. When's my morning going to start? When is my morning going to start? So let's pray together right now and ask the Lord to have his way. Lord, we love you. Come to you one more time. I'm unworthy. I don't ever deserve to be standing behind this holy place it's been dedicated to you but you're worthy of every word that can be spoken I ask you to touch every man every woman every boy and every girl all across this campus but right now for a, a special anointing for a special touch just as your word is already anointed forever and settled I ask you to touch me to speak it let us all hear it and understand it and more than anything let us respond to what your spirit is trying to tell us collectively and as individuals and we'll receive that in Jesus mighty name we declare it done if you believe it just say amen with your hand clap yeah. Yeah. look at your neighbor whether you're standing or already seated and say when does your morning start When does your morning start? I want to just uh, share a few facts with you. Uh, if it was sports, it'd be uh, sports facts, obviously. If it was something else, it might be fun facts. But I want to just share some, some biblical truths with you for just a few moments before we even get uh, back to the song and the psalm that we just read from. Uh, how many of you, and, and it's us, it's, it's family, it's just, it's just, do y'all realize it's only me and you in here? It's only the two of us. It's just me and you. And uh, everybody else, but they don't matter. It's an audience of one. And so, uh, how many of you read your Bible? I don't, I'm not asking if you read an hour every day, but you would say, I'm a Bible reader. I read the Bible. How many of you like to listen to the Bible? I, I have gotten to where I like to listen to the Bible when I travel and at night, and bedtime, whatever. I, I like to do that. Uh, and I just really learned to enjoy it uh, as my eyes are starting to not enjoy it. I like listening better sometimes. And, uh, but there's something over the past ever how many years now that I have noticed is you can you can speak, you can preach, you can do a Bible study, you can do Sunday school, whatever it is, and someone can walk up to you, 
no matter what verse virtually that you read, and they can say to you, let me tell you what I got out of that. And it's totally off the radar of what you just received from that word. I mean, it's like, man, I wish I would have saw that. I'd have tapped into that. I'd have preached that a little bit. And, you know, I... I've done that a lot of times, and a lot of times I'll make a mental note or, 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 or literally a physical note and say, someday I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring that back. And Let's just take, for instance, I, I have preached the prodigal son now for somewhere 26 or 27 years. i got to go back and look at the first date and know exactly the first time I ever preached from, from there maybe. Uh, but we all know that the story of the prodigal son is one single story of redemption. I mean, it's that simple. We know that. When we read it from front to back, we understand that uh, this young punk, best description, took his daddy's money that his daddy had, had lived an entire life for, took it before his death, took his inheritance, went out, wasted it on, on strong drink and wild women. It's the first two meanings of righteous living. And so he just took it to the world and he parted it down. And, and then when he got hungry, he decided to come home. And daddy said, come on. And that's the story. I mean, that's, that's it. And, that's, and it says, such is the kingdom. And so the Lord is, is giving us a parable of, of, of what's, what's happening in that setting. And he's telling us what it is. But let me tell you, uh, I had counted before that I had preached from that uh, passage of scripture 13 different, totally different sermons out of those few little verses about the prodigal. And I just real quick, just actually just a few moments before I closed my book and walked out, I jotted 11 of those down. A couple of them I'd have to just think on just for a little bit. But uh, there's a message, an entire message on leaving the house, period. There's a message right there on leaving the house. What happens when you leave the Father's house. There, there's a message on one bad decision. Just one. The domino effect of, of that. And I've preached that. There's a message about having to leave the house to go find the sin that your flesh is looking for. Which we applaud that Father for that sin not being readily available on those premises. Keep the house pure. So there's a message there. That there's, there's a message in the fact that you can leave full with all the inheritance of a father and come back empty and virtually naked. God didn't have anything. Had to be clothed, had to have shoes put back on his feet and the whole thing. And so there's those messages. And then there's a message about eating what the world would even discard. Taking in for your daily nutrition what the world won't even take. There's an entire message on that. There's a message about uh, coming to yourself, waking up. That's a message about conviction. It's a message about realizing, man, I messed up, but, but daddy's still there. There's a message right there. there. There's another one about the father, the Bible said, was looking for him. So it leads us to know that, that the kingdom of heaven is like a father standing out on the oracle of eternity and looking, waiting, just come on, I'm just waiting on you. That's a message. All, all in itself. I mean, you can, you can preach a long time, as long as you need to, on that thought. There's a, there's a, there's a thought on uh, the father running to meet him. That can be tied into the 99 and 1 and, and on and on. It's, uh, he, he's waiting and he, he left the security of the house and he left the ones that were right and everything that was in order to go out before he ever got home and get a hold of him and say, son, I love you. Come on home. He didn't have to even get all the way home to meet Jesus. There's a message there. It's a whole other message. There's a message about the father and the family and all the servants holding down the fort. When he got back, the house was still there. So to the saints of God that have children and have prodigals of our own out there somewhere, we got to hold the fort down because there's going to need to be that, that sustenance when they return. It's going to have to be what they left or better. There's a message there. But remember, what we're doing is we're making a comparison. This is just a few verses. This is how many different angles 
this message can be preached. It's all still the same word. I'll just share the last couple with you. There's a message of total restoration, and that's the big picture message. And you see that with the shoes and the ring and the robe and the fatted calf. Total restoration. And then uh, another, uh, the 11th that I could think of very quickly out of the 13 that I know I have preached from this passage over the years is about the spirit of the brother. The house should never be jealous. Should, it, should, it should never be offended when a prodigal comes home and is restored back to some, some place. Should never get offended when somebody that's went and wasted their whole life and, and just destroyed things when they come back and God puts them back close to where they were or back to the, where they were or restores them even better. There's a message in that. We've preached it all and it all comes from the same words. So I, I'm just establishing the fact that you can read one thing and it can minister in many, many ways to different people. Amen. That's a long way to, to establish that. But that, that's, that's, I just want us to see that. So Jesus, another place that is, is quick for me to think about. Jesus tells his disciples, if, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. I've heard it preached many times because of the setting in which it was stated. This is talking about if, if he'd be raised up on the cross, if he would be suspended between heaven and earth, he would be uh, north and south, and he'd be east and west. He'd be reaching in one direction here, and one direction here, and here, and here. I've heard that preached because of the setting. It's true. It's a fact. He, if he's lifted up, if he goes to the cross, the, the end result is I will draw people. But there's another side to that scripture. And the other side is praise is lifting the Lord up. If we lift him up, the Bible said praise produces conviction. It causes people to come to him. When, when the church praises, people get under conviction. They repent. Then they're baptized. They're filled with the Spirit. Their life has changed. So if he's lifted up, he'll draw. So no matter where the setting is, it, there, there's, there's a couple of meanings. It absolutely means that and hundreds of thousands maybe of messages can come from the exact same words and the Lord's placed something on my heart concerning the last verse that we read in our text and I've preached from it uh, many times but uh, I've only ever preached it one way I've never sat in a room where it was preached another way it just, it just seems to be so strong weeping may endure for the night but joy comes in the morning it seems like how can you how can you even get away from, from that? You know, I mean, what else can you draw from that? What, what else can uh, the connection be? And so in my devotion here, I don't know, seven, eight days ago, maybe ten days ago, I, I, I believe it has been uh, beyond the holidays on the other side, but uh, something jumped out of this passage to me, and it just really, really began to minister to me and, and here's what I want to share with you. We're all, every single one of us have been, are in, or will be in dark times in our life. It's, it's period. We, just because you come to the Lord, you don't get to escape the, the car payment. It's just a fact. It happens. The bills keep on coming. The altar, everybody says the altar changes everything. <laughs> well, if you'll help it, it will. But you can still leave the altar and go max out your credit cards and end up in trouble. And then you can't look at the Lord and say, well, I went to church and you didn't cover everything for me. Some people take the song, Jesus paid it all. <laughs> I heard a joke one time, the old boy come by with the offering pan and the old gentleman looked at him and he said, Jesus paid it all. And that's all he said. He didn't have nothing to give. He said, it's all been paid. And so there's so many ways to look at things. And let me share two little things that I'm going to preach to you. And I feel a preach coming on about right now. There is a guarantee that we will experience some nighttime in our life. Some darkness. There will be some moments. Listen what the minor prophet to me, no prophet's minor, but historically Micah 
is a very minor prophet with just a small book behind his name. And if you read seven, chapter 7 and verse 8, it says this. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy, when... Not if. When. Not when somebody pushes me down. Not when I trip. But when I fall. When I have a failure that costs me. And here's what he said. Rejoice not against me, O my enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When. I said in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. I don't care how minor he is. That's the Bible. And he said, when I fall, I shall arise. And when I'm in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. The minor prophet Micah guarantees us we're going to go through some down times and some dark times. Amen? Let me give you one more just simply because it's a major prophet. Isaiah 59 and 19 so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun when the enemy shall come in like a flood. When, not if. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. So we've got an Old Testament minor and an Old Testament major letting us know and warning us and leading us to understand it's not that there's a possibility we're going to have an issue, a fall, a failure, or a problem. It's just a matter of when. We don't get to pass go and collect $200 every time we make the corner. It is, it is, that's the way it is. It's, it's life. And, and we live it until the Lord calls us uh, to a better place. And so the major prophet says the same thing. Now I want us to go to our reading and I want us to preach for about 10 or 12 minutes. Psalm 30 and 5. For his anger endureth but a moment. I already like that. Because I don't want it to last any longer than that if it's got to last at all. That's an incredible verse already. That could be preached. We're not going to preach it tonight. In his favor is life. And that means the duration of life. It doesn't mean you'll, you'll just remain living because it's a point on the man wants to die. That would mean no one has his favor. This means for a life. This means throughout is his favor. And then this next portion that, that I've always preached one way. I've heard it, listened to it over and over. Beautiful, incredible messages have come out of this that's given us a lot of hope. And I'm going to twist this around and bend it so much tonight because this is not all it's telling us. Weeping may endure for a night. Is that what the Bible says? But joy cometh in the morning. Here's the question. When does your morning start? So I know this message is older than Christmas Day because it was already brewing in my heart when I went to, to two or three of my uh, sons-in-law at my house and I said to them, because this was going in my mind, I, I walked up to, to, did I ask you, Randy, about what time your day starts? So it's David and White. Maybe... Uh, Lindsay probably caused him to be late. <laughs> I will put it on her. <laughs> it's good, it's good. <laughs> so I, I, I walked up to David and I said, David, because this, this verse is just brewing my heart. I mean, it's just it's bowling. It's like a flame that's just, just, just got a whole oxygen. And I said, when does your morning start? And the first thing out of his mouth was, well, I get up usually about 4.30 or maybe 5, and I try to run or exercise or pray, and he started in telling me I didn't care what he'd done. I didn't tell him at the moment. I just wanted to, I just asked a simple question, what time? And he told me. And he went in to tell me what all he had to do and, and, and all that. So I said, okay, Awesome. So I know that White, Kenzie's husband, works a, a goofy shift. 
It's, it's, a, it's a weird time. And, and uh, I said, what? I said, what, what time does your morning start? And he looked at me and just kind of laughed. Like, well, if I tell you, it's going to seem lazy. But I, know his, but I know his routine. I know his shift. All I want to know is just tell me because this is happening. You know, this is, this is moving in my brain. This is something that's about to explode. I said, what time does your morning start? He said, uh, well, about 11. Well, he worked at 2.30. Went home, ate dinner, got a shower, went to bed about 5.15, 5.30, 6 o'clock. Brother Carl, I know you're semi-retired, but the days you work, when does your morning start? Six o'clock. Brother Robert Fuller, what time does what time does your day start? Your morning, every morning, seven o'clock. Brother Archie, darling, what what time does your day start? He's not a bit of help. Brother, Brother Jim, what, what time? What time does your morning start? What time? What time does your morning start, though? Ever, what do you, time do you get up in the morning? Get up about six. So what you, what you find when you start talking to people about the way they live their life is everybody's morning starts at a different time. We read this verse and we tend to believe that there's this big sweeping sunrise that settles everything. Weeping may endure for the night. So there's a guarantee of a night, but there's not a guarantee of what time morning starts. Because as I begin to look at this, it has no definitive time on morning. It does not have. We've preached it and it's true. The daytime and the morning starts when the sun rises. We get that. We understand that. But the fact is in our, in our clock and in our time, in our 24-hour world, the morning starts at 12.01. 12 o'clock. And so we, we see disciples, we see apostles that at midnight, they called that the middle of the night. Nowadays, that's a.m. That's the morning. So here's the question. When does your morning start? I think we have waited. Oh, y'all, y'all don't know it, but I'm about to pop. Well, when is it, when is it that your morning starts? How long will you allow it to be night? Because these guys that say my morning starts at 4, the sun ain't up. My morning starts at 2, the sun's not up. My morning starts at 11 or 12, it's up into the middle of somebody else's day. So I want to preach to you tonight a different angle on this passage. Your morning starts when you get up. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy is going to come when you arouse yourself out of the bed and get up and get yourself ready for the battles of that day. That's when your morning's going to start. Watch this. I talk to people and they say, oh, my marriage is in shambles. And I say, why? Well, we don't hardly talk to anybody. We don't only talk to each other. We don't go anywhere. We don't do anything. Let me do it just a couple of minutes of marriage 101. After 30 years, I've realized my wife is still receptive to a hug and some sugars if I'll give it. She'll still cook for me if I'm home. She'll still fold my clothes and wash them. You know how spoiled I am? Every night when I get ready to go to bed, my pajamas are out, my socks are out, my house shoes are out. My mama found that out one time and she said, Missy, you're crazy. <laughs> she comes in and she says, Honey, what shirt do you want to wear tonight? 
I want to make sure it's ironed and looks good and don't have any spots on it and there's not any issues and, and everything's okay. People that have marriage problems, they stay in the dark until you decide you want something different out of life. And it'll be at that point, after a while, somebody can't refuse your kindness without refusing you completely. It'll be what you make it and you will wake up and it'll be morning time when you say, you know what? I'm tired of being in this bed of unhappiness. I'm tired of being in this dark cloud of misery and I'm about to do my part to change from night to day in this area of my life. I just want to tell some people some things right here tonight. And I'm gonna walk, I'm gonna walk on some on some thin ice, but I understand and I recognize what I feel in this place tonight. Too many times we declare we're waiting on God. All he's waiting on us to do is quit pushing snooze. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy is coming in the morning. We have got to learn to dictate. When is morning? Oh, there's people that say, "Oh, I've got these health problems." Yep, you do, and you know why? Because you hadn't walked a block in a coon's age, and every doctor has told you that. But you keep pushing snooze. You keep deciding this medicine's never going to work and I'm not going to take it. What he said to do, I'm never going to do it. And so you go and you go and you go and you go till you find a doctor that'll do what you want him to do and answer the way you want him to answer. And then you say, why is my health not doing anything? I want to tell you what some of us have got to do. If we really believe the word, if we really believe the word, if we really read it and we really trust it, we've got to say, you know what? Whatever it takes... If it kills this flesh, I'm fixing to get this health in shape. I am sick and tired of living in the darkness when I can get up and make my own morning. Some of you aren't hearing me. Now, now here, here's, the, here, here's, the, here's the thin ice. And really, thick ice could be better. That could be a better word. I have heard this so many times. I've got a wife and three daughters. Do I look fat? <laughs> Grown daughters. 33, 28, 24. Do I look fat? Well, first of all, if I answer that any way besides the way you want it answered, <laughs> I'm done. I mean, if I could say how many times does this dress make me look fat? If I, could, if I had a dollar for every time I've been asked that, raising three girls and 30 years of marriage, I'd be rich. I'd be rich. Most of the time, people are looking for a compliment. And I give those out for free all the time. It's no big thing. But here's what this comes back to. If you're really concerned enough to where every time, I've been telling my wife she needs to gain some weight. That 98 pounds hasn't been looking all that good on her. So don't, don't, don't look for her over there. There was no issue in that situation. I've been telling her, eat, girl. But if every single time it comes back to, well, I don't look good. Here's what will happen. It won't be long, men and women, you won't want anybody to see you because the way you feel about yourself. That's something that will be birthed in you and it will root out and it will affect your relationships. There's people that quit on their careers. That start sleeping in other bedrooms. That, that get off of, of, of different teams and different sides and, and, and do stuff because they look in the mirror and what they see does not satisfy them. And they go, I'm just in a dark place. Let me tell you, let me tell you what I know. Let me tell you what I am 100% positive of. I've got a recumbent bicycle at my house with about 7,000 miles on it and 43 pounds left me in 2020 and 2021 because I said, you know what? 
I want to live to be an old man. I don't, I don't want to go early and then blame it on the Lord or blame it on my situation or blame it on the cooking, blame it on fast foods. I'll tell you something. If you want that thing to change, you've got to be enough structured to get up and that be the most important thing. And you know what will happen? It won't be long in your life. You'll look in the mirror and you'll say, I ain't got to ask anybody. Because once you get happy with you, you won't worry about what anybody else is thinking about you. So here's what I'm telling you. Weeping may endure for the night, but you got to decide what time the alarm goes off. You got to decide what time you're going to get up. Get in shape. Spare your marriage. Spare your home. Spare your career. It's your decision what you're going to do. I'm 52 years old. At 56, I realize right now, I could have a nursing degree. At 60, I could be a doctor. Here's the question. Do I want to be a doctor at 60? No. If I did... I'd hit the books. But I can't sit around and complain about everybody else that's drawing a doctor's check when I won't quit pushing snooze. Y'all ain't feeling this like I'm feeling it. Because I'm going to tell you what the Lord spoke into my heart. He said there's too many people that are living in the dark when it's been sunshine a long time. They've never opened the window. They've never pulled back the door drapes. They've never even gotten out of bed. We've got to decide. The Bible said if we pray, he will answer. If we knock, it shall be open. If we seek, we'll find. If we ask, it'll be given. So it lets me to know he's not bound on some time schedule or when the sun rises again but weeping's going to come we decide when the weeping stops we've decided I'm going to put this behind me and I'm only going to focus on forward everybody that's ever slipped and fell into alcoholism or drug addiction or the lust of the flesh and they come sit down and say pastor I don't know what to do I've made a mess out of my life what do I do how do I fix it I try to analyze the best I can and I say I'll tell you what You're not going to get him back. You're not going to get her back. You're not going to change that. You're not going to be able to fix that. That's over. But I'll tell you what you can do. You can set the alarm for whatever time you want your morning to be. And you can start from there and see the hand of the Lord in your morning. There's some people that's been in some long, dark nights. I want to tell you something. It's not the will of God that that be your address. Your GPS wasn't ever supposed to stop there. But you got mixed up, messed up, and settled right in there somewhere. And now it's marked as your address. And it was never supposed to be that. One guy said a long time ago, I thought it was real cool. I don't say it a lot, but I still like to say it. If you ever find yourself going through hell, just don't stop. Go through it. Come out on the other side. Somebody needs to listen to me right now. You're down and out, messed up and depressed and life is a struggle and you can't seem to find your worship and you can't put things in order. Your finances is a mess. Your health is a mess. Your marriage is a mess. Your mindset is a mess. Quit pushing snooze. Get up. Do what it'll cost you to check. These are just principles, folks. Get up and go to work. We okay? Woo. I can say it about people's finances. Most of the time, people that come to me, and it happens a lot, and, and I'm fine. I'm there. I, I listen. I, I hear. I try to do my best to understand. I know what it feels like to be upside down financially. I've felt it more than once in my life. I get it. But usually, the people that come and say, Pastor, we are struggling. We're in a terrible situation right now. And it's affecting our marriage. Do you know lack of communication is one, the first thing that leads to divorce. The second is financial issues. Second leading cause of divorce in the United States. Financial struggles. Why? How can you be happy 
when you owe $100,000 on 31%. And if you pay the minimum, your grandchildren will be buried before it's paid. You know they own you. They're bound to you. They got to lean against your life. Not your car, not your land, not your house, but your name. They come and they say, Pastor, we're in trouble. Man, we, we, we went to Dave Ramsey and, and we went through that and we went through this other class and we, we read stuff put out by Andy Stanley and some of the greatest names out there and, and then some non, non-Christian minds and we've tried all of it. You know what? I realize most of the time we're kidding ourselves. Because while you're making an extra $10 payment on that credit card every month, you're charging 20. And then crying because you can't get ahead financially. But most of the people that come, oh, I, I need y'all to hear me right now. Most of the people have two car notes, a house note, got the nicest clothes they can buy, dress well. Whatever happened to making it instead of pushing a microwave button and arriving with a plastic square. Folks, it's just some life principles right here. Here's the thing. Do we have to drive a new car? Somebody say, well, you do, Pastor. Well, the Lord's blessed me in times past. The Lord is my witness as I stand here with my hand on this pulpit and my wife as a witness. I'm going to ask her, how many years in a row did I sell my paid-off truck to buy Christmas? About eight years in a row, my little kids wasn't going to have good Christmas and we wasn't going to be able to make the bills and mama needed a nice car to drive the kids back and forth and so the truck I had that I paid off, I sold it year after year after year after year until we could afford two payments. That's been 30 years ago, folks. And now I look back and we see families. They're 18 and 19. And they're in a world of hurt. And they're messed up with credit cards. And and they owe everybody, including the loan sharks in town. And they wonder, why can't I get ahead? I'll tell you why. Because you are still on snooze. And you hadn't realized you can get ahead if you want to. If you buy into God's economy, tell the truth. Do it right. Don't cheat his system. You... Sister Beckham, I'm probably done, I imagine. Are we all right? There's some folks you can hand them $100,000. And they'd be gone in a week. They'd need to borrow money in 10 days. And they'd still owe the same amount on everything as they did before. But I can tell you this. They'd be knocking out them two and $300 stakes. And that closet would would look like Michael Jackson's or Michael Jordan's or anybody else that could afford it. And we as Christians, the Bible said we're called to be the head and not the tail, the lender and not the borrower. That lets me know at some point in time we're supposed to be in a situation where we're on top of the financial system. Well, he's a health guru, he's a marriage guru, and now he's going to be a financial guru. No, I want to be a Bible guru. I want to be somebody that will tell you and, and, and stand behind it firmly that if I will do my part and I won't try to stretch myself out and then blame God for being poor, we've been poor all our life. Well, have you ever considered your wife going to work? Oh, no, daddy didn't raise us that way. Well, then you're going to take another job, bud. Somebody said, what do you know about it? Well, I used to preach weekends. I was a paint and body manager 50 hours a week at Williams Paint and Body and owned a business, worked it at night. Owned it with my dad and my brother. I get off work. I go to work. I drive 30 minutes. I'd get there at 8 a.m., punch a time clock, and at 5, I was a body shop manager. At 5, I'd leave. I'd get home at 5.30 or 5.40. I'd eat, and I'd be back at work at 6.45 and work until midnight or 1 o'clock every single night. 
every, my mama just said, yeah, he did it. Every single night. And then on the weekends or even Thursday, if it was within driving distance, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I'd preach revivals. Well, how, how come? Because they would always bless me in some kind of a way, and it was a way to help my family. How is it that I can sit here You'll still love me, baby, won't you, when we get home? Because I don't know if the rest of them will. I want you to hear me. Your, your health is waiting on you. Oh, yeah, there's some medicines. There's some surgeries. There's some things that can help. There's, matter of fact, there's some things we'll deal with that will end up taking us out of here. Yes, it's appointed unto man wants to die. But hear me. By and large, our life could be so much better if we wouldn't worry about finances. If we wasn't worried about relationships. You know, some things, folks, God has given us an inherent cruise control. Now, that can be, a, that can be an issue. It can be a problem. It can be a blessing and a curse. Some folks put life on cruise and they, they just never slow down. Other folks understand they put on cruise the things they shouldn't have to be dealing with. I learned something about myself a couple of years ago during the pandemic. My time management was about as poor as a, I mean, it's like wait until five to do what's got to be done at six, come up with a plan on the way there. I mean, that's stretching it, but you know what I'm saying? We got to be better than that, y'all. We have to learn to control our time. If God is always God, do you think he's got some set time that says, okay, you're just going to sit right there and suffer and I'm going to wait. And when it comes August the 11th, oh, that has to be my mom's birthday. That's probably why it popped in my head. When it comes August the 11th, at 8.45 a.m., I'll settle that for you and you can call that your morning. What are you going to do different that day? Won't you do that tomorrow? I lost him 43 pounds and guess what? I didn't need a blood pressure pill. Anxiety used to go through the roof. Sat down, had to loosen my belt up to breathe. It's a fact. It's not healthy. It's not the will of God. Yes, I said it. It's not the will of God for his people that he bled and died for to always be in a flesh struggle. But it is going to happen to us from time to time. So what happens? Weeping may endure for a night. But joy is coming in the morning. I'm going to start setting my alarm when the morning ought to be for me. Not a week, not a month, not a year, but tomorrow. Brother John, I can't imagine what you're feeling. I, I, I got just a little sense of it talking to you and visiting with you throughout the day. But I want to tell you something. The fact is this. And you already know it. You're a military man. You've done, you put your time in. You know what it's all about. Here's the fact. If we always live in this date and keep this fresh pain, there will never be even one day where it's better. Like Brother Curtis Worthy, he could tell you. He could tell you. I've talked to him lots of times. He's hurting. He's hurting. He's hurting. I know he's hurting. He's hurting. Many of you that have been through this, you're hurting. I understand. I, I, I don't understand how it is, but I understand that you're hurting. But here's the fact, and you can all testify too. It's still as fresh as it was yesterday. I can still cry at the drop of a hat, but the shock value has changed. You know why? Because you have made sure you're not still standing in the memorial service. You have realized, I have to move on. I'm alone. I got to do whatever it takes to move forward. Sometimes in divorce, people never move forward after that. Something happens in the family, he or she leaves, they never move forward. They never live for God again. They get stuck in that. What happens? They get a burr under their saddle. They get a little jealousy about the accomplishments of their, of their ex. Something starts festering inside of them and, and they look back and they always want somebody else to fall and, and do a terrible job and make a big mistake. And Next thing you know, their life is past. 
And I've never lived one day rooting for somebody else. Y'all want me to quit? I've been, I've been, I took my time though, didn't I? She keeps time. She's honest. I like it. Your marriage will be as happy as you want it to be. We've been through times where it, we were broke. I'm talking about broke and had too much pride to tell anybody. There was a time, tell me if I'm right, we done the math. 38 cents or 33? 33 cents a day we could eat on. You know what we done? Here's what we done. We bought potatoes. We sliced them thin and we fried them and we put them on bread with mustard and if we didn't have too much pride and had the money, we also had cheese. And we ate that day after day after day after day with family that lived close that could have just said, here, we're blessed. But something inside said, you know what? We got to make it. If we don't learn to make it without always having two hands out, we got to learn to make it. I didn't expect anybody to be jumping, hooping, hollering, shouting tonight, but I expect, I expect that somebody's going to decide, you know what? They're not coming back. And I'm going to have to set my alarm. I'm going to have to get up. Oh, hear me right now. While I'm hurting, I'm going to have to get up and go do something that I enjoy. Don't you feel the guilt? I've got to get past it. My wife, when, when I, I'm sorry for all the family references, y'all, just forgive me. But she, she told me when, when, her, when her mother passed away years ago, at, right after that, I'm trying to get back into the flow of life and move and, 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 and get things going and, and do things with the kids. And, and, and she's battling a state of depression. They were best friends, talked every day multiple times, just lived down the highway a little ways. And, and, and it was just a, a terrible, a terrible time. And after some time, we talked about it and had a conversation and, and, and looked at everything. And, and I said, baby, we can't go back. But we still got these girls to raise. They still got to have mama. You know what happened? The clock went off. And one day she was right back and I heard these words come out of her mouth. I feel so guilty out trying to go out to eat and have a good time with everybody like nothing's wrong and I had to leave my mother up there. Folks, that's a terrible situation. That's a terrible situation. But someday, I can't say it's the next day or the next week or the next month, but someday you're going to have to let the alarm go off. Someday, you, you just said it. A man that just lost his wife recently and his mother and his dad and his brother. But you can get up and you can come to the altar again. You can say, God, I'm hurt. I'm broken. I don't understand. I'm on the edge of madness. But here I am. The alarm's off. I'm up. I'm dressed. I'm ready for the day. Now, what are you going to do? I'm doing all I can do to cause the sun to rise in my home. Now I need you to do your part as my father. I wish we'd all stand. I got more to say, but my time's up. Would you listen to me very close? I apologize. It, 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 was, it was over 70 degrees and climbing in here. I went and bumped it down to 67. I saw some of you getting cold. I'm sorry. I, 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 from the bottom of my heart, I apologize. I mean it. I hope it didn't affect your worship experience. But, but hear me. Hear me. The Lord gave this verse to me and said, I need you to look at it. Look at it. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. And boy, I just wanted to shout about that. And something said, stop. When is the morning? Because America's morning
One of the coolest things I ever done in my life, and I can't remember how the time worked or, or whatever, but, but we, we, we went to Hawaii. The first time we ever we got a chance, we've been twice. The first time we went, we flew out of Phoenix, Arizona. And we left as the sun was rising. We went into the darkness. About four hours later, the sun rose again. We got to see two sunrises in a five-hour span. It was a really cool thing. And people told us, if you get the right flights, it can happen. It happened to us on an accident. It was an awesome thing. But I want to tell you something. God's got two sunrises for you. Three. Four if you need them. All you got to do is set your clock and say, I refuse to lay here and be sick and down and broke and out of shape and in trouble and marriage and house falling apart and lust of the flesh winning every battle stops in the morning when is that whenever I set the clock if anybody just got a a, a moment's word out of this if nobody comes it's fine I, 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 I delivered my burden I feel good I said exactly what the Lord led me to say but if there's anybody in here you know you've been hurting for a long time and and now understanding is getting away from you. If you just want to say, God, help me. I'm ready. My alarm is going off. For some it's four. For some it's 11. For some it's two. For some it's eight. For some it's 12. But whenever it is time for you to get up, you recognize that and you do it. How many of you are ready to get up? If you have a situation in your life, no matter what it is, and you know there's some steps you could take to make it better, I'm already at the altar. I'm inviting you to come. Spiritually, physically, financially, relationally, emotionally, whatever. If if you know, you don't ever have to push snooze again. And the day will come. The morning, the sun will rise. The two prophets said, there's going to be struggles. There's going to be heartaches. But you decide when the morning comes.